Hey guys, it's Neem here and welcome back to the Unfazed with Tazzy Faye podcast. Bion, bion, bion. For today's episode, I interviewed Zahra Bilu, who is a lawyer and executive director of the San Francisco chapter of the Council on American Islamic Relations, CARE for short. So if you listened to the last episode of the podcast, it was about a friend of mine's success in finding love on an app. Noshin found someone by chance pretty early on and didn't quite go through what I think most people deal with when trying out matchmaking apps. So I wanted to get a more balanced viewpoint. And so I asked you guys to help me find someone to interview about their experience. And I got several suggestions to talk to Zahra. Now, Zahra has had success in the past using these things. So it's not all that everything has been bad, but I checked out her Instagram profile and lo and behold, she has a whole highlight reel on all of the weirdo and disappointing encounters she's had. So I thought she would be a great person to kind of give a balanced perspective. I reached out to her and she graciously agreed to do the interview. So in this episode, she really talks about what the playing field is actually like. She's very honest and uh, I really enjoyed the interview. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Zahra. I am a civil rights attorney and the executive director of the San Francisco Bay Area Office of Care, or the third largest care office in the country. And I am the daughter of Pakistani immigrants. I'm 36 years old for a little while longer and uh, obsessed with my cats and ice cream. Nice. Me too. Me too. I just got kids. That's That's Congratulations. Right. Thanks. I was like, you can go to the vet. Mine, mine are younger too this round. And I was like, you absolutely can go to the vet. That is a good reason to postpone something. Yeah. And I keep, so I just moved to um, San Antonio and I keep doing this thing. I made doctor's appointments for my husband, like a, a dentist appointment and then just a physical because he didn't have health insurance for a long time. And I am doing this thing where I make appointments. I have no idea who the doctor is. I don't even write it down. I just know the date and time. And so I have no idea where we're supposed the to go. Is. Or, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where we're supposed to be going, like who we're meeting. And anyway, I was dealing with that this morning. But anyway, yeah, so we made, so I've been double booking things. So I made their appointment and then I was like, crap, I didn't put that on the Calendly thing. But anyway, I appreciate your flexibility. Um, I- So I want to ask you, what brought you to using matrimonial apps or sites? So I was actually arguably an early adopter of matrimonial sites. When I was in my 20s and single, um, at a certain point, someone recommended eHarmony to me and I signed up on a whim. And uh, at the time, the the person I was talking to also was on eHarmony. So we didn't meet through eHarmony, but we matched on eHarmony while we were talking. Um, And then we were married and then we were divorced. And so now coming back into uh, courtship and marriage in my thirties, I was like, well, you know, online worked for me 10 years ago or, you know, had a role to play 10 years ago. I'm sure it's better now. And so actually after, after my divorce, I took some, like some extended time before I was ready to talk to people again. And then the natural thing to do felt to me like, okay, we'll go sign up on Minder and Mismatch and what else exists out there. That's very interesting. So you have, you have like such probably your, your experience with these apps. It's probably a very stark contract, excuse me, stark contrast yeah. from when it began, because I'm sure it was totally different. 
it's weird to be like, I was in the first generation of Muslims in online dating, and now I'm in the second generation of Muslims in online dating. I mean, at the time, there were, I'm trying to remember if there were any Muslim apps even. Like, there were some websites. There was Naseeb, which some people use for that, and some people use more broadly socially. Mm-hmm. But now there are so many more Muslim apps um, and so many more things to both look for and and look out for. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so it's, yeah, it, it's definitely strange, but I, I wonder if that's what made it easier for me to use them this time around is that I had used them then and I had actually endorsed and recommended them to others. And so I do have other friends who uh, met and married through eHarmony at that time as well. Okay. So just, a, I mean, just a quick, I guess, like opinion. Um, do you think it's better now or was it, is it better or worse? There you go. Is it better or worse than before? The apps are more user-friendly and there are a lot more people on them. Um, The pool feels worse in some ways, though bigger. But that could also just be that there are so many more people on it. So there are things that we see now that we weren't seeing back then. Um, It could also be that I'm in my 30s. And so I'm looking for something different than I was at that time. Mm. It's a bit of a wash. I mean, it was hard then. It's it's hard now. Um, The apps, I think... What I do appreciate about them even now, as I did back then, is that they, they're an outlet through which to connect with people that I wouldn't meet otherwise. And I don't say that lightly. Like I run a organization in the community. I'm at the massages. I'm at the community events. When there were conferences, I was at the conferences, right? I was doing all of those things. But at a certain point, you've met everyone that you can meet or no one knows really who to connect you with or what you're looking for. And I think the apps can help with navigating some of that um, when it's otherwise really awkward. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, at at least for me, like I grew up in Colorado. And so the Muslim community at the time when I was younger was pretty small. So I can imagine for people in places where there's not, they don't really even, there's not a big community. um, I can imagine that it really opens that up. But um, so I watched your highlight on Instagram with some of the like ridiculous, funny, also sometimes like, uh, are you serious? Yeah, inappropriate yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm wondering, you know, would you say that most of your experience on these apps or websites or whatever it may be is like that and is reflective of that? I would say that I've had a mixed bag of experience. Like I've definitely had some great experiences. I don't usually put those up because those are our relationships that like play out their course and then they're private and there's no teachable moment in them per se. I'll put up the bad stuff because I I want women to be aware of and careful about these things. And I want men to know what fellow men are doing, but it's been, it's been a mixed bag. Um, there've been some really, really great people on it. Uh, but you've got to filter through so much trash to find the one good person. Um, that may or may not work out. And so I think that's the part that gets really overwhelming. And that's why those messages can be so disheartening. I also just, I think I've been really surprised that there are people who speak like with such vulgarity or such disrespect to each other in the process and and using the apps. And that's the other reason I highlight those things. So there's a lot of it, but there are some good people in there as well. I, that, that, that's kind of what I've heard uh, from other people's experience as well. And if you and could, I think that that's parallel to the in-person, by the way. Like I, if, okay. if we were to like yeah. do the tallies on all the Auntie Rishthas, I think that there is sometimes a lot more trash than there is good, but there's someone good in there. So it's just about, is it the pool or the mechanism? 
Right. And if, I mean, if it was that easy, cause it's, it's not just like a Muslim thing, like just in general, it's hard for people to, right. you know, match up and find somebody compatible yeah. and get, and then, and then not Respectful only that. and attractive yes. and char, like all those things, right? Like, but I will say that the thing that makes it harder for practicing Muslims that I've had conversations with um, people of other faiths about is that if you're looking for someone with the same specific religion as you, that only 1% of people in the United States practice. Mm-hmm. And then you want a practicing Muslim, which is an even narrower pool. Mm-hmm. Take aside, like, alhamdulillah, I don't have any race criteria. I don't have job criteria. I mean, I care that you not be um, a right-wing Republican. Yeah. Um, but like the hardest criteria has actually just been practicing Muslim. And so I think a lot of people have these challenges, but when we start to narrow it down for what we're looking for specifically as it regards to like, I want to be with someone who prays five times a day, who fasts and those kinds of things that gets to be challenging. Yeah, no, I can, I can imagine. Oh, I was going to say if you could, and, and if you can't, if there, if you like really can't come up with this, I understand, but if you could put a percentage or a ratio on the good versus bad, what would you say if it's possible to do that? That's a good question. Um, I think what's hard for me about putting a ratio on it, by the way, is good versus viable. Okay. Right. So like viable is probably like, I I would say viable has probably been less than 1%. Okay. Um, Good has probably been 10 to 20%. Actually, what is, sorry. So what do you mean by viable versus, I guess maybe I misunderstood that. What is viable? So like, so there's like the trash. Right. Okay. <laughs> like the guy who wants to talk to you about all the inappropriate things versus add me on Snapchat and thinks I'm not going to know what that means. Okay. Um, that's the trash. I would say the trash, it's probably around 50%. Okay. Um, and then there's the like, I don't know, they don't fit the criteria. And then within the folks that fit the criteria, right, they're the, the right age range. Uh, really is like the, the objective criteria. They're the right age range and they mark themselves as practicing Muslims. Then there's like, okay, like this person is a good person, but there's no chemistry. There's nothing happening here. Um, and then and then there's also like, then there's viable, right? So there's chemistry. We align on certain things. Now can we actually like try it out and see if this will work? Okay. So if you would take so out, like, I guess 50% trash is a good enough. At least, yeah. And to understand what is, a, like, I guess, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to establish is like, how much of it is a waste of time? Like a complete waste of time, not just, oh, I put an effort to kind of put a little bit. I mean, like you are, you just wasted my time or you, I'm not even. Yeah, no, I try really hard to think of it as like, okay, I am pursuing marriage because it's from the sunnah. And if I approach it with the right intention and I'm sincere and good mannered, then none of it is a waste of time. But that, you know, that's on a really good day. Um, That's if I'm like being really optimistic about the world. A lot of it feels like a waste of time, right? There's a lot of, like, it would be amazing if Minder could be like, you know what? We are going to filter any profiles where the main image is a selfie from someone's bed. Like that would eliminate so much of the trash, right? We are going to filter any... uh, any profiles where the person uh, is not Muslim, right? Because some people, like I actually saw someone on there yesterday who was like, I'm Jewish, but I have a thing for Muslim women. I was like, okay, so like, what? I'm going to filter the, right? It would be amazing if the, if the tech could figure out how, and and maybe they do if you like start to pay, but the problem is once you're paying and you're getting still 1% Mm -hmm. viability, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Um, So yes, it does feel like a huge, time suck. 
for little return on investment. But we know people that have gotten married through them. And so I think that's why some of us keep trying because like the auntie network isn't turning out much better. Yeah, that that makes sense. I started, uh, let's go off topic. I started Indian magic. No, tell me. Because I I wanted to do a review on the show. So I was saving it. And it was like in the chaos of getting ready to get married. I didn't have time to watch it. And wow, like it's just... Well, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it. In the video, but. No, but well, so to, in terms of other things I have tried, I did hire a matchmaker at the beginning of this year mm-hmm. and um, she quit on the whole industry. Now I, she, you know, she said she okay. wanted to go pursue other things. And I was like, you're quitting on me. Oh, you're quitting on everyone. Okay. That's not so bad. Yeah. And then the show came out and I was like, I can't watch the show. It's too triggering. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I will eventually. After yeah. It's great. Yeah, after shit's great. I mean, I guess you you kind of touched on this, but if you could pin down what is or are the biggest challenges you're facing in your search for a partner? This is also one of those ones where I'm like, okay, well, my faith says, and then like my experiences. So my faith says, you know, God just hasn't set the right person my way yet. And every bad experience is Allah protecting me from, from, and going down the, like, ending up in a relationship with the wrong person. Like that's what like my faith says. Right. And like when I'm really like struggling, I'm like, no, this is like Allah's will. The right person will come when the right person will come. But if I were to like be like, okay, but like, what are the reasons some of these other people have been wrong? It's been a mix of things really. I've met a number of men who are concerned uh, about my career, uh, either because it's too public or it will take too much time and they've admired my career and they've oftentimes known exactly what I do before they even sort of approach me. And, and that's, but it's still been an issue like, well, who's going to cook and will you reduce your hours and will we always be in the public eye? Those kinds of things come up a lot. Um, other things that have come up that have really, and, and that one in some ways has been like really disheartening, but not surprising. The ones that have been really disheartening that have been really surprising have been drug use. So I've been really surprised at how many um, otherwise practicing Muslim men um, use recreational drugs regularly, unapologetically, and sort of just like, well, this is what it is. I, I do what I need to, or I do what I want to. And like, you know, God is merciful. It's like, yes, God is merciful, but like, you should try to break away from these vices. Mm-hmm. I've also this year come across a lot of people who don't pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really important to me that I be with someone who prays five times a day. I know that our our faith um, and our relationship with our faith ebbs and flows, but I, it's, I believe that if we start at the same place or at a comparable place, and we'll always come back to that and we'll hold each other to that. But people will be like, oh, I don't pray as much as I should. And it's like, well, what does that mean? And I've met people who don't pray at all, who pray one or two times a day at most. Um, and another question I will ask often is like, well, are you working on it? And they're not. Like they're happy where they are. And so I would say, yeah, careers, drug use, prayer, I mean, just just random things. And that's, again, like working with a narrow pool of like, I'm 36, so I'm looking for people in their 30s and 40s, um, and I just need them to be practicing Muslim. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I I remember being so surprised at like recreational marijuana use in people's 30s uh, as a regular habit, where I pray, Fajr and Isha, and the other stuff, not so much. I, that's okay. So, so finding a partner or finding somebody who's kind of on the same wavelength in terms of spirituality and the goals when it comes to spirituality, that's something that's really hard. And I think, you know, that makes a lot of sense because that's probably even hard just with friends, even just friends, you know, sometimes to find with a spouse, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother level. 
arguably so like with friends it's it can be hard to find and i it's like i was talking to someone um about like when i travel with friends who pray versus friends who don't pray um and the difference it makes for me in in my own prayers right like if we're all out doing something and i'm the only one stopping to pray well then it, it's harder for me right like it becomes an inconvenience i'm burdening the group and not i'm really like i still do it but i i worry it would weigh on me over time with a partner like it's harder to find but it's also so important because you're with that person all the time right mm. like i i think it would be really hard for me if i were waking up for fetcher and my partner weren't like just like if i were to like put it put it real plain like that's one of the harder prayers to make we're all tired we're all groggy etc and only half the household is praying um and then i think longer down the line like if we if there were to be kids or other family involved like how how would we raise them who would do that how would we teach the religion to them and how would we do it if we weren't practicing yeah that makes a lot of sense i think yeah i think once you have children i think a lot of people even people maybe in interfaith relationships that that's maybe where they kind of hit a roadblock because maybe the relationship is great and they can accept each other for you know the way that whatever they believe in or yeah. how much they practice but maybe the way that you raise your children is uh you know isn't going to be the and by the way it's a lot of work right like i think about for for my parents who raised me someone who would go work full-time in the muslim community and my brother who's an imam like it took both of them so yeah. it wasn't just like are they practicing it was like someone had to wake us up for prayer someone had to teach us this someone had to prep us for our homework for like we're on class and sunday school like it took both of them so it's, I, I think a lot of times i worry that it would be hard for me if like this were a priority for me and it weren't for my partner because mm -hmm. how do you not just like how do you set the direction and lead but how do you split the labor to do it effectively right and i think a key thing that you said the fact that they don't have any intention on growing i mean even if we look outside the realm of spirituality i think you know you always like of course we just want to keep evolving and getting better as human beings and so if you meet people who are like oh it's cool like I'm um, okay. Whatever I'm doing, right? You know, or like, I, not today, not tomorrow. Like, I, I've definitely like met men who are like, "Oh yeah, maybe someday." And it's like, okay, great. Well, like, well then, call me when the someday comes. But I'm not trying to be. This is so bad. Someone said that I can. Um, what is it? I can rescue kittens, but not men. Um, yeah. That that's not like I don't want to be in a fixer upper relationship from the start. Again, like people ebb and flow, and and there will be times where you know it'll be harder than others. But if from the start you weren't in the same place, or at least in agreement about what the ideal same place is, yeah, where yeah. are you going? No, I understand that. And I, I just follow up question to that because I am. I just turned twenty nine, so I'm wondering: Do you feel that that? Um, do you think that that has anything to do with age? Like, are you seeing a correlation between not wanting to change or grow in the pool of men? Is there an age range or? Does age have nothing to do with it? I mean, it's interesting. I think in my when I was in my twenties, I don't recall encountering these types of issues. Like I encountered issues about like, well, what kind of a career do you want to have? Will you work outside of the house? Those kinds of things I saw in my twenties. Um, I don't recall um, as frequent drug use or because by, by my mid twenties, I'm thinking like folks who were using drugs like had done it in high school and early in college. So even if they had done it, they were done with it by twenty five. Right. Um, and then with prayer, I think people were so close to prayer. And I wonder if that had to do with proximity to like living at home, um, college, MSA, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. In my thirties, I'm definitely seeing more, yeah, more fixation on where we are. Right. And, and that's true even for me. Um, when I met my ex-husband, I was 24 
And right, like my career wasn't set. I I might have been more flexible about what I expected and wanted out of a relationship and how I carried myself and those types of things. In my 30s, I've been this way for this long. And so there there are things that I'm committed to, including, for example, the things that I'm finding hard to find compatibility with, like prayer. Mm-hmm. So maybe in my 20s, I would have been okay with someone not praying. But in my 30s, I'm like, no, no, if he's like in his 30s and he's not praying, how is he going to fix that now unless he's really, really committed to it? Right, um, right. So yeah, I think people are more set in their ways in their 30s, which is why when I was getting married the first time around, people were like, no, no, do, do it young, do it young, because otherwise like, it gets harder because you both get set in your ways. Um, yeah. But we plan and then things happen. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So, okay, so my last question Do you have any tips or advice for other Muslims trying to find a spouse while navigating this digital matrimonial app website world? I think it's really important to be firm in what what we want, to know ourselves and what we're looking for. And that's a process, right? There are things I've learned about myself in the last few years that I didn't realize before, um, things that I'm willing to shed and things that I'm very fixated on. And so it's important that I know myself and know what I'm looking for, um, that I take safety precautions. Like this is a really important one for me, particularly with women who are just starting out is be careful about who you give your number to. Don't add someone on Snapchat. Um, you know, do your due diligence. Um, I always say like, I'm not giving them their phone, my phone number until I know their full name uh, and have a sense of where they live because then they're going to think twice before sending me inappropriate pictures. Um, I'm also really careful about what I say and do because anything I say and do can be screenshot and shared on an Instagram highlight reel, right? So um, in the same way that I want other people to be careful, I, I think it's important that like women who are entering the, the search be careful. And then it's okay to take breaks because it can be really hard and heavy and exhausting. Um, and we know ourselves best. So there isn't like a, you know, you do it for three months, take a break, do it for three months, take a break. Like There's no routine or schedule like that, but like know when you're feeling fatigued um, by it or overwhelmed or, or depressed by it. In the end, I, I really do truly believe that if a match is written, uh, it will find its way to us one way or another. For me, the, the apps are just my way of tying my camel and doing what I can, which means that I have to be careful. I have to know myself and I need to, I need to take breaks. The match will find me. Like The match isn't going to like not find me because I took a break from Minder for a month. Um, if it's written, it will happen regardless. Yeah, it's true. Um, I, the, the whole exhausting thing I can believe that that must be super exhausting because emotionally you're going up on a roller coaster and you're like, oh, you have all this hope and then your hope gets crushed and then it happens again. And to have that happen over and over and over again uh, and just deal with disappointments or excitement over and over, um, I can imagine how. Well, and it's like my parents were really chill about not going through the traditional like auntie rich the process where like every week someone comes to your house and you have to dress up and meet them and serve them shy. Like, alhamdulillah, I didn't have, I didn't have that. But from the friends I know that have had that, it's the same. Like Mm -hmm. he comes over, you like him, he rejects you because your hair wasn't straight enough, right? Or he comes over, you don't like him, but your parents like him. What do you do, right? So yeah, the the roller coaster, and this is why I'm like, I I don't fault the app too much. I, I appreciate that they give us control of our fate in, in a new kind of way. But the roller coaster is, it makes me grateful that as a teenage Muslim, my parents didn't let me date. Mm-hmm. Because with, you, right, I'm, I'm more stable now. I'm, I'm well, I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm not going to hurt someone. Like, 
those kinds of things. But I think about like what we go through in our 20s and 30s in the marriage process, if we were doing that as 15 year olds in the dating process, oh, that would have been bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm grateful. I, sorry. I know I told you it was the last question. But. Oh, you're fine. So yesterday yeah. I was talking to um, my friend who had a success story from these apps and a question that came up when I was talking to her was about, it feels like there, at least at the time, there was a lot of, there's a lot of stigma with both methods. Like for me, mm-hmm. when my parents were really pushing the whole Rishla process on me when I was young, yeah. I would break down and I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. I, And I felt it embarrassing. Right. My mom would be like, no, we need to create a Shadi.com profile for you. You need to send that. And I found it weird. I'm like, why are you... Yeah guys choosing a spouse or like it wasn't an arranged marriage, but it was like, how can you guys talk to parents? And I don't even know the person. Like, I don't know. It was just intimidating. And then there's also stigma on the other side of, I was embarrassed of telling people that I met my spouse on Facebook because at that time meeting online was like, Oh, like, yeah. So you were 29 and you met him when you were 23. So six years ago. Yeah. So I met my so, okay. So my ex-husband and I were introduced by friends and we also like, so we were introduced by friends and this was back when you would like email people questions. Okay. And I'm like very like, you know, so 30, so sort of 2000, 2008 is when we were introduced and I'm very like, okay, it should take you two days to reply. Like these emails were like long, like 2008 emails for between people were like long, long emails. Right. Um, and I remember he was taking really long ones. It was like day three or something. And I had complained to a guy friend and he was like, Hey, check out eHarmony. Like he had just gotten married. He'd met her through there. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I didn't, it was weird because I did it out of like frustration at, at my ex being like, you're taking too long. I'm going to go check out this thing. Cause I'm not going to sit here twiddling my thumbs. I'm 24. I need to get on this. Mm-hmm. And I joined eHarmony and back then eHarmony would make you do like a whole personality profile. eHarmony felt better back then than okay. it does today. Like the algorithms felt like they were more thoughtful. Now I think it's just, they just send you everything. Okay. Um, and so we were on it. I was on it for a day or two and then it matched me with my ex. Oh, and I was okay. like, this is so awkward. And then he, in his email to me, he's like, Hey, and I was like, don't say anything because obviously like, he's not going to judge you for it. He's on it too. And then he was like, Hey, eHarmony matched us. I'm pretty sure this is you. And so anyways, we took it from there. So we always <laughs> joked that we were eHarmony approved, uh, which isn't as strong now that we're divorced, but it was a good marriage. Alhamdulillah. Um, yeah. But I had friends that I told. And so then they joined eHarmony okay. and they met their partners through eHarmony and they went through what you're talking about, which mm-hmm. is, so I never went through the shyness of like I dealt with the Rishta issue in that like my parents would turn down other people's parents mm-hmm. and then be like, it's because you're picky. And I'm like, you didn't even give me the pleasure of turning them down. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's because we know what you're looking for. And I'm like, yeah, but like, let me make the decision. And so that was right. the, the Rishta experience. And then there was definitely a couple of times where like my dad really wanted someone and we'd get into a fight because I'd be like, no. Um, but I didn't have the online issue. My friends had it though, where they like met on eHarmony. And do I tell this auntie that I met on eHarmony? Do I not? What do I say? Um, and it's sad, but I'm just like, look, like the Rishta aunties, like I, I have Rishta aunties looking for me right now. And let me tell you, it's the same thing. It's this, this, the percentages are the same right? Um, in terms of 1% viability. Okay. If that, yeah. so I don't know. But yeah. when a Rishta auntie says, can I help? I say, yeah, absolutely. Like whoever, I don't care what method we use, whichever method works the best. Right. I think that's probably, it, it comes down to, at least like maybe for my household, I just felt a barrier with my parents about um, the whole process. So I used to get in a lot of trouble if like 
a boy even looked at me. I mean, I, I'm exaggerating, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yelled at so much for stupid things. Like, you know, if there was a family friend and the boy came and his sister was there and we used to be in the same class. So if we're sitting all in there, my dad would be pissed about it. And like to the point where yeah. I would like, I'd want to pee my pants. Like I'd be so scared of, you know, how angry he was. So, um, I think that really inhibited, um, yeah. Like I didn't feel comfortable with my parents at all to like sit down and talk about anything marriage related. And then again, when I came to them yeah. saying, I really, I really want you guys to meet this guy. I would like to go through the process of like, your family, our family getting to know his, that's how I ideally wanted it to go down. And it just didn't happen that way. (laughs) Um, And so I, I think, I guess it just says more about, because even as I'm watching Indian matchmaking, one of the girls, it seems like her parents, like they're just sitting together and looking at the bio data. And I'm like, yeah, this is like so different than my experience. So I can, you know. I think it's really, it's really family dependent. I mean, I also, you lived at home, right? Until Mm -hmm. you got married. Yeah. So I moved out to go to graduate school, which is like, a Oh no, I did. I did move out for school. You did move out. But then I went back. I, I studied my, I got my bachelor's degree. I moved out for four years, but at that time, I was not like, okay. there was no and then you came back. thing. Yeah. And then and when then I came back, back after your bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. so mine's a reverse. I did my bachelor's degree from home because they were like, you can't move out. You can't move out until you get married. And then I wasn't married when I finished my bachelor's and I got into grad school 400 miles away. Okay. And so I moved out to go to grad school and I haven't lived at home since then. Okay. And so I haven't lived at home since I was 22 and I'm 36 now. Okay. And so I think that like maybe creates my, also, this is hard. I don't know if you have siblings. My younger brother got married before I did. I, um, okay. I did and so yep. it was hard and like, it was hard because like it messed with the like situation, but easy because he put them through the ringer in his own process. Okay. Like in like, kind of like I think both processes were halal, but like, you know, he met someone and he was, uh, he was studying in Saudi. She was here. He was home for the summer. They got married on 10 days notice. Okay. Um, and so I think because he put them through all that, like maybe it made it easier for me. I don't know. It probably yeah. did. I mean, when I look at my, like at least my younger sister, I'm like, Oh, you, you don't know what I've gone through. You so paved you, the way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm you like the way, the way that, the way that she talks to my dad, she talks to my dad like so casually and like, she'll say something. And I'm like, if me and my brother ever said that, my dad is, <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, yeah. so even with the marriage, and it's usually the older siblings. It's usually yeah. the older siblings that paved the way. So it sounds like you did. Mine was just the reverse. My younger brother, I think made it a little bit easier, mm-hmm. but I think maybe the other like advice I give people, right? So I said, know yourself and what you want. I think it's also like, know, know your parents and your relationship with them and how to navigate that. Because I've definitely had certain, like I, there was a guy in my 20s who was like, I went out with him a couple of times and then he was like, uh, what did he say? I went out with him a couple of times and like, he's like, okay, cool. I'm going to have my mom call your mom, which to me is like a huge escalation because now I have to go tell my mom right. that your mom is going to call, right? And like right. The, in the relationship, the agreement I had with my parents actually was that I don't bring anyone to them until I'm ready. Okay. So in all of these years, I've only ever introduced two people to my parents. Okay. Um, one before my ex and then my ex and no one else. And now that my brother is back in the country, I've introduced like one or two other people for him. Okay. Uh, but that's it. Like in all of these years. So he's like, okay, I'm going to have my mom call your mom. So I do the phone number. I pass on the phone number. I give my mom a heads up. The lady never calls. Oh. Like she never called. Like we're still talking to each other. I think we've gone out one more time. And I was like, okay, what is going on? And he was like, she's going to call. She's going to call. Hasn't called. She's going to call. She's going to call. And then he was like, yeah, we're debating it because she says I'm too young to get married. And I was like, what? Like, yeah. hold on a second. You need to work that out before you bring me into this. Right. Um, 
And before we bring my mom into this, I mean, I, yeah, so, so that didn't work out. Um, so I, I do also tell people like, you know, get to know really like how you're going to navigate the family situation, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of times we don't realize in our early 20s because it's our first time, first and second times doing it. Yes. Um, but like by mid 20s, late 20s, I mean, this person was in their mid 20s, as was I. I was like, no, you really need to like not be going out with me if your mom thinks you're too young to get married. Like first convince her. Right. right. Then, right. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to navigate just everything. Just life in general when you're like, you know, a third culture kid and yeah, you're a yeah, religious yeah. minority or whatever it may be. It's just, uh, you know. And clearly conservative households, right? Sounds yeah. like yours was as well. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> conservative households. Um, yeah, my dad's on, so he's like super- oh. Notorious. Our Quran teacher. Our Quran teacher was Patan. I know the Patan. Yeah. <laughs> I guess let me know if there's anything I can else I can do to help. I'm just glad you're talking about it and that hopefully it eases the conversation for people yeah. to go through this. No, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. All right. And that is the end of this episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. I mean, not watching. Wow. That was the YouTuber and me just just going with it. Just automatic on autopilot right there. Anyway, sorry. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate the support so much for those of you who are fans of The Crown. That was for you. Wink, wink. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave me a rating and review. It would help a ton. And this is Tasneem signing off. You guys have a good one. Tazifei out. Bye.